Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm your host, the Real Gerald Quinn, as we look at episode two, season three of The Wire. All due respect, as always, I'm joined by one Robert Sapp. How you doing, Mr. Sapp? Doing well, doing well. No question about it. We um, Hopefully everybody out there is enjoying this nice, crisp, Fall weather. Finally, it feels like fall. Feels like fall out there. Um, this episode was re- was directed by Steve Schill. It ranked 36th all time by Vulture. You had the epigraph being "There's never been a paper bag." One, Bunny Colvin. Um, I really, I really, really liked this episode a lot. Um, even more so than the. I don't know how many times that I've watched, you know, rewatched this series and, and this episode in particular. I, I really was feeling this episode. Um, the themes, I, I thought that it was, it was kind of like to me, the old, the new versus the old in ideals. And, um, you know, we saw it, you know, we see Avon Stringer, we see Bunny, you know, versus the, you know, the institution, um, we see an old way, you know, we see a, and there was a number of new versus old uh, themes, not themes, but situations that transpired in this episode. We'll say, and we will certainly flush those out throughout the course of the episode. Uh, opening scene, our buddy Omar is back in the mix. Um, an early return for Omar. Normally, they like to try to bring him in season, not season, but episode three. This for this particular, uh, for any, for, you know, for this season, he was brought in right away, basically, in episode two, as he, along with his partners, Kima, Tasha, and Dante, rob, purposely rob a Barksdale, and intentionally rob a Barksdale stash house. Um, of course, you know, well-planned, well-executed, um, you see Omar one of the few times in this series that Omar actually curses and he will curse again in this series in this season so stay tuned and it will be a very very poignant and very powerful scene that he will curse in that will stand out but one of the few times that he curses throughout the course of the series um, he lets it be known hey yes I'm robbing you you're Avon Bar- this is the Barksdale stash. The guy says, this is a Barksdale t- stash. We'll all due respect. And that, that phrase was used a lot during this episode, all due respect. And, and, and uh, in classic Omar fashion, he responds, do tell. And uh, that's how that scene wrapped up. Um, your thoughts on this opening scene and this introduction to, uh, not introduction, but this introduction to uh, Omar for this particular season. Yeah, it's interesting. This one, um, you're right. They usually come, it usually comes to episode three. And I was thinking about, huh, why, why open this episode this way, given, given how the episode is constructed? And um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, but of course, I mean, it's great to see Omar and the crew and how he's robbing Barksdale. I mean, that's what it's that's what it is just just as i said it i'm just oh yeah that's right just the beginning of the setup of of henry barksdale um so anyway so 
that the, it's the do tell at the end of it. This is, oh, with all due respect, and that was the first all due respect. That's also the name of the episode. Yeah, um, I said there were a number of all. Um, yeah, yeah, as you said. Sorry. So, um, so you're right. They used it. It, it matters. This one matters. All this, this all the, this phrase all due respect matters. And so, in this one, this is the beginning of it. Um, when uh, homeboy is telling Omar, with all due respect, this is a Barksdale joint. Um, that all the, when I was thinking about this as I was watching the episode, and when someone says all due respect, that means they're not going to respect you. That's, that's literally what that phrase means. With all due respect, basically, like, eh, and now I'm about to say something you're, that's right, effed you up. Like, yes. And so the way that Omar used with all, like, like I mean, like, after all due respect, he's like, in this bunch, they drunk, just like, do tell, like, and? Right. As a matter of fact, yes. <laughs> yes. That's the whole point. <laughs> so that kind of, like, has summed up our our point as we talk about where the Barksdale name is is headed and where it is at this point in time. Yeah, I, I think thinking thinking about you know what you just said in regards to how you know usually they introduce Omar in episode three and usually it's in a subtle way. Usually it's not like this this direct. I think yeah was definitely intentional because at this point there's nothing subtle about what his feelings or his vengeance towards the Barksdales. Like there's nothing, like he, he wants it to be known. Yes, I want Stringer, I want whenever Avon gets out, but I like, I'm trying to destroy, I, I want you, I want to destroy this Barksdale. To the, I want to destroy the name. I want to, I'm going to try to hurt you at every turn. Like there's nothing, there's, like he's not trying to be subtle at all in, in regards to his, tack towards the Barksdales and that we we will see hint hint that will be um that that's gonna go both ways uh, I'll just leave it at that as far as uh what some of the things that it will lead to uh for his for his near future we'll we'll, we'll see that in a very near episode how that goes uh not in his, not in his best interest but there's nothing yet but this is you know this is hey I'm coming right at you, you know. Yeah, it was. This was pre-planned, but like, because you know, think about this. They, he's coming, and they know, like, they know he's coming, so to speak. Or they, you know, they they know there's a beef both ways. They don't neither one of them like each other, and this is still, it's still, you know, the Barstells are not what they once were, but it's still much easier easier drug dealers to rob than they are bark sales. Despite the bark sales not being where they were once were, you know, it's still easier out there to rob. And it's still, it's like, no, I'm, I'm coming at you. So I, I think they intentionally, you know, wanted to let you know that they didn't want to be, he, he was not going to be subtle towards going um, at them. Um, you have McNulty, um, uh, you have McNulty and, the, and Frazier, who's a medical examiner, um, Frazier, of course, says uh, McNulty acquires about D'Angelo Barksdale's death. Him and Frazier are looking through photos. Um, he's asking Frazier some questions about it. Uh, we will see again. This is clear. This is clear setup. We will see how this plays out over the course of, of, of the season. But this is, you know, this is more. This is another part of the uh, of the layers of the Barksdales that you know 
that they're, that they're going to show throughout the course of of this season. Um, again, clear, clearly a setup scene. But what were your thoughts on this scene? Really quickly, I, I actually do have I have uh, a thoughts on this one. Um, so uh, yeah, absolutely a setup. Um, but uh, also you have Omar who opens up, and then you have Nolte next investigating D'Angelo. Um, they're setting us up. I We know how the season is going to end, so I can't not be thinking about that throughout this whole thing. And so um, as this is how I'll say it. As much as I have shitted on McNulty in the first two seasons, right. um, his character in this aspect is very consistent. When he's after you, he's after you. And that's not somebody you want after you in the legal way. Um, and so in the opening scene, who do we have? Omar. I'm asking. And who is he after? Avon, the, the Barstales. Yep. And then the next scene, who do we have? Jimmy Jimmy McNulty. He's after. And who is he after? Stringer Barksdale. So, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, yeah. anyways, the, the, <laughs> that energy is starting. That energy yeah. is starting. And they're setting us up to let us know that energy is starting. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, yeah, it's, it's not a coincidence that you had those two back-to-back scenes. That's, that's definitely not no. a coincidence at all. Those two, those two particular characters. And that whole dynamic of even going back to season one, that D'Angelo McNulty dynamic as well, uh, even though D'Angelo at this point yeah. is dead. Is dead. Um, so you have Avon and Stringer. Also, let me get let me finish off with this scene. This scene, I, I love, I love the the comedy aspect of the scene as far as the kids with the scared straight, and then Fraser says like more like bored, uh, bored stiff, or bored to death. <laughs> the kids, they have the kids looking at this dude who's been shot through the heart, and then the cops saying, "Look what that bullet did to his heart." And so I, I love that part. That that part of the scene as as well. Um, even before McNulty gets into it, goes goes um, start talk, starts talking about uh, D'Angelo Bonsdale. Um Avon and Stringer. Avon goes to no, excuse me. Stringer goes to visit Avon in jail. They, of course, are dealing with the new reality of not having, of having to basically negotiate and try with other drug dealers and not having the prime real estate to be being basically out on the street and having having to grind. Avon's like, look, you know, let's start looking at let's start looking at new territory. Let's we gotta get that Fremont that you know this Fremont property. Uh, you know, to get that lunchtown, lunchtown trade, lunchtown crowd, which is like 25, he said somewhere like 25,000 a day or something, uh, somewhere in that vicinity. Stringer's like, yeah, that's cool, but, you know, it's the bodies that got you in here. Um, if we could do it without the bodies, then, you know, we should go that way. And then Stringer also says, then Stringer tries to, tries to appease, appease to Avon's ego. Yeah, if a fool stepped to us, and we're gonna do what we have to do. Um, and then um, Avon was like, look, you know, people are gonna be watching us on this, seeing if we're gonna fuck this up. Um, and that's what, and that's what, after that, that's what Stringer said, we're gonna do what we have to do if, if a fool step to us. Then you had an interesting uh, dynamic before the scene ends, 
of um, talking about, you know, how you fixed it here. He said, he tells, asked Avon, how are you fixing it here? He says, oh, he's like, yeah, man, I'm good. Levy got it all tightened up. I'll be out before it get cold. And as soon as he says that, Avon's smiling and saying, yeah, I'll be out before it get cold. You had a subtle pause in Stringer's facial expression that was very similar to season two when Tillman gets arrested and Stringer sees it on television, but right before he's about to study for his midterm. And there's a, there, I mean, I literally, I wish they could put those scenes next to each other and see it. They basically was the same facial expression of a pause that was on Stringer's face. It wasn't even, like, he didn't even smile at all. It was like he's, he wanted to smile or was about to, but it was like, no, nah. it was a subtle pause right before the scene ends. He's definitely not feeling Stringer. He's definitely not feeling Avon getting out that that early or getting out at all, for that matter. Give me your thoughts. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're here, and, and that means things are going to be more. This is the this is the story of this season. So think this is this is the drumbeat. There's no more like like subtle hint hint so i say that to say um the actor uh uh, uh, uh um uh, yeah made a choice he made a choice and you're absolutely right to call back to that moment because he made a choice there and he wanted us to remember that choice that he made um that uh when he's first sitting down when they're first in that kind of the first part of that conversation or the majority of that conversation Stringer's completely confident and at ease with, with Avon. Completely confident because he, he knows his pitch now. The pitch is that we don't have enough muscle. The pitch is we don't want bodies because bodies um, are what brings us cops. And that's what's gotten us all jacked up. And he, as you said, he pointed out that's what got Avon in there. And so his pitch now to everybody, um, well, anyway, we'll get to that scene. But um, so, so he, he's confident until Avon brings up, I'm going to be out. And then, then it's just like, oh, that's right. I'm going to have to deal with this. I'm going to have to deal with this. That, that kind of like is where, where, that, where, that, where, where I took that from. So, yep, good scene. Yeah, excellent scene. Uh, so this is where the bar sales are at as we go to the next scene. You have Country, Shamrock, trying to negotiate product for territory. Um, the Barksdales, again, don't have, uh, don't have the prime real estate anymore. But they do, because of the, the Prop Joe connection, have the best product. So we see, again, we see Country, we see Shamrock talking to local, I'm going to guess, lieutenants and, and crew, crew leaders, not so much kingpins, but crew leaders, uh, mid-level dealers or lieutenants of that nature trying to negotiate their product for a piece of their territory. And Country, who's the first guy that, that, that we see in this scene, says, you know, the dude says, let you come in, let you come in. And then he says, nah. Then the Country says, hold on, this is going to work out, be the best deal for both of us. And then you see Shamrock, who is Stringer's uh, second in command, 
said gives up a, gives a, gives them a price or gives him saying that the price that we pay and you can step on it eight or nine times says you, know, you won't basically saying you won't find a better deal. So we see the the Barksdales and again unfamiliar territory having to basically not so much start basically almost start from scratch in terms of trying to find prime real estate around the uh, the West Baltimore drug trade. Uh, what were your thoughts? Um, sorry, I, I was thinking about uh, if the the scene where. So anyway, so sorry, I, I I was getting scenes mixed up. Um, so Stringer, when he's talking to Avon, also lays out the plan. Sorry, like when when I was saying that he's laying out the plan, and so this is the plan. This is how the Barksdale organization is going to operate moving forward as according to Stringer. They are not about violence. They are about business. And so each of these lieutenants that are each of the soldiers that Stringer sent out to talk to the lieutenants is doing their job. Stringer told them to go negotiate. There is not to be any violence. Um, later on, we'll get confirmation of that through another character. Um, but so this is what, so what we're seeing is how the drug game, how Stringer wants the drug game to go. But then we'll get a great juxtaposition coming up to how the drug, some people operate. It's like, that's nice that you want to negotiate. But, anyways, it's coming up. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll so that's what I just want to point out. Yep. Um, that so we, they are following Stringer's orders. Stringer yes. wants this to happen. Yes, this is what this Stringer, is his plan. Stringer is trying to, in, in essence, Stringer is trying to buy corners. In essence, he's trying to buy corners. He, no, no, he's trying to. No, 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 no. I mean, yes, yeah, kind no, of, but he here's is, also what I say. He he's treating it like a business, a merger. Right. That's that's what if we if we're going to flip it. a partnership. So, yeah, he, yeah, in a way, in a form yeah, of a exactly. partnership. Yes, exactly. Buying the corner would be like. I here, here's this money. Now go away. He's right. not saying no, you, that. You're right. No, he's not doing that. He he wants to part. You're right. You're right. He's he, it's going to be a partnership. You know, they say yeah. the country says that's what he's proposing, and that's what's going to keep the bodies down in his mind. Right. Yes. Is that he's not he taking over. He's saying let's share, that's and right. you'll make more money. Right. Right. Yeah. No question. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Um. So Bodie is on. Um. Bodie, you have Bodie in the scene. He's on a, uh, he's looking for, um, he's on a standstill corner looking for Marlo. Um, right, Marlo is his assigned guy. Marlo, yeah, Marlo is Bodie's homework, uh, per se. Yeah. And two of that, two of Marlo's uh, low-level dealers, you know, basically say next to nothing. He says, you know, Bodie's like, hey, Marlo, have you seen him? And then there's there's a you know slight pause, and the guy, the dude says, "Yeah, he was here." And then Bodie says, "Well," or it gives a you know look like, "Okay, now he's not." And then the dude, the dude says, "Now he's not." So, you know, we get that sense of um, how you know get a sense of how Marlowe's crew is you know is basically you know. Is basically ran. We get a sense of you know this guy. There's there's a mystery aspect to to Marlowe at this point. Uh, we'll see we'll see how that plays out for not only rest of, rest of this episode, but also more important more importantly for the rest of the season. So we get we, we had that quick scene. But what were your thoughts on on this particular scene? 
setup. Setup, yep. Valchek and Karketty. Um, so Valchek and Karketty uh, t- talk, discuss um, about what about what Karketty is up to. Valchek, again, Valchek, you know, you can say what you want about Valchek. He knows the game. He knows the political game. He knows how to play the game, per se. So he knows that Karketty has something big in mind. He doesn't know exactly at this point what Karketty's trying to do, per se, in terms of Karketty's ultimate goal. But he knows he's up to something. He says, he says to Karketty, I know you're up to something. And Karketty's like, yeah, no, Stan, I'm up to nothing. You know, duh, duh, just, can, you just, can you just make this meet between me and Burrell. That's what that was the whole purpose of them of Karketty and Valchek meeting. Val Val is trying to use Valchek to get a meeting, another meeting with uh Commissioner Burrell. Um, what were your thoughts on, on this scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So now let's 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 lay out the entire um field really quickly. Uh so we established that this entire season is going to be about reform. Right. And so uh, the four characters that we're paying attention to that embody reform are um, Burrell, um, are uh, uh, not Burrell. You talking about Stringer? no, not Burrell. Why did I say that? Col- no, 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 no. Colvin. Sorry, sorry. Colvin. Uh, uh, Bunny Stringer. Colvin um, and uh, not Stringer Marlow, Marlow. Marlo is ref- oh no you're right sorry, 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 oh, sorry. Marlo, Marlo's the no Marlo's in there Marlo's the reform to the reform of Stringer but um so it it's it's yeah it's um it's it's Bunny Colvin it's Colvin it's Stringer and it's uh it's um the mayor or mm, what's his name Carcetti uh and so with with uh with Carcetti um he is trying to figure out how he can get himself into the system and because it's Baltimore and the way that he figures that he can get himself into is by getting into the mayor's inner circle and because of the committee he runs the person that he can have the most influence over is Burrell and because Burrell is in a vulnerable position meaning the mayor he's not already elected right. um that uh that um that he's vulnerable right there and so this is what Carcetti is trying to do in order for him to initiate the type of reform he wants to see he has to get inside the mayor's inner circle yeah yeah we, we see Carcetti, you know beginning to and we saw a little bit lad at, at at the end of last, not at the end, but towards the latter part of the episode, last episode, see him start to plant those seeds, and we'll see how it flushes out throughout the throughout this episode and start to plant those seeds for his for his you know his ultimate long game. Um, but, uh, oh, Bowie, um, sorry, sorry, Cuddy, Cuddy, yes, Cuddy was the other reformer. Yes, yes, absolutely. Stringer's uh, not reform, by the way. Stringer's not reform. It's Cuddy. Those are the four. No, Stringer's, Stringer's not trying Stringer, to reform the game. Yeah, he no, is. No, he's not. He's not trying to reform that game. No, he's not. He's trying to operate it the way that he sees fit. That's was different it, from reform. His, but yeah, but it's still a form of reform, though. 
the way he because he no, it's like, not. I, I'll we we can argue we about yeah, that a we'll little bit later. But we but we as we even when we were talking about this before, like last week, we were not talking about stringers being a reformer. That's what you, it we was brought, all the we stringer last week. No, yeah. we didn't. No, we yeah, we brought stringer, but we didn't bring them up as a reformer. The reformers were always were already were, were the new people on the block. Those were the reformers. We'll flush, yeah, we'll flush, we'll, we'll, we'll flush it out. We'll yeah, Stringer's not reforming the game. I, I, go I, ahead. We'll, I, just, yeah, we'll, I disagree yeah. with that, but we'll, we'll yeah. go. We'll flush yeah. it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the end. Bodie and Pudding. So Bodie, uh, at this point, hasn't found Marlowe. He tells Pudding, um, who, who was a low-level uh, dealer in the Barstow, you know, you've seen him around the last couple seasons uh, briefly. He tells him, you know, set up in this particular territory. Um, Pudding basically says, hey, you know, we're going to bunk. You know, me and we're gonna, it's going to be, you know, Pudding, you know, and I got to give Pudding some credit. Pudding, you know, sees the fact that it's probably, you know, you know this, is, this is going to turn into uh, some type of battle because they're right there, literally setting up right across the street from Marlowe, which it, basically they are setting up in Marlowe's territory. So he tells, Bodie tells, uh, tells Pudding, set up right here. And then you see the, you kind of see the stairs. Um, you kind of see, well, no, I'm actually ahead of him. But he tells, he tells Bodie, Bodie has a conversation with Pudding. I'm sorry, Bodie has a conversation with Pudding saying that um, I couldn't find Marlowe, but to set up right here, which is in Marlowe's territory, and we'll, which is a setup. And we'll see how that scene, like, we'll see how that plays out. Quick scene, what were your thoughts? Set up. Right, we see we see cheese. Um, we see cheese, of course, who is probably Joe's second in command. We see him getting ready to um, to participate in, in a uh, underground under under uh, illegal dog fighting, dog fighting, um, illegal dog fighting. So we see the beginning of that. Uh, that's a setup for a later scene that we'll uh, that we'll see uh, on the east side. Um, Bodie and uh, Bodie and uh, Marlo dealer, dealer Marlo Stansfield dealer have basically have a stare have a stare down. Um, Bodie, of course, has set up right across the street directly from where Marlo's peoples are at. Um, one of the, one of uh, Marlo's younger dealers goes for the gun. Fruit, who is the crew leader, who is the crew leader of that corner, says. Hold on, you know, relax, wait for Marlowe, and, and uh, wait for Marlowe. What were your thoughts on this scene? Yes. So we have Cheese at the dog fights. Cheese, along with the dog, along with Tree, who, you know, is, is one of his guys. Um, Cheese bets $25,000 on a dog fight. Um, so he's betting, he puts his gun down, puts his, checks his gun in with the dude. Um, with the guy uh, who's doing the check-ins, and um, but his guy, uh, Cheese's guy, Tree, notices how muscular the opposing dog is. So you probably at that point, whatever, regardless of how many times you watched the episode, knew that they, it was going wasn't going to end well for Cheese's dog. <laughs> watching watching that other that other dog who looked like LeBron James in terms of all the muscles that dog had. Um, yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on, on this scene? Set up. 
It's going to become, of course, more important, but it's set, it's set up. It's set up. And here we go with Herc and Carver. So Herc and Carver are just basically passing the time um, right before, you know, or just basically passing the time. They're discussing uh, what man they would have sex with in order to sleep with the Ozen twins. So Herc says to Carver, who do you want? A Carver says to Carver says to Herc, who? Carver Herc says the Olsen twins. So what like what man, you know, so Carver says, um, Carver says one guy, one time. We'll see how this scene plays out. This was the beginning of uh, of, of, of this was the beginning of basically basically a episode running joke uh, between those two. Uh, uh, between those two, basically showing how 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 bored officers can get doing you know surveillance and poor police work. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, uh, running joke, running joke. Like this, this is one that didn't have any deeper meaning. Cheese. So we get back to the dog fights. Cheese dog, dog of course loses. He takes the dog. Um, takes the dog back behind the, uh, behind the van and, and, and kills the dog and shoots the dog. Um, what were your thoughts on this, on this scene? Set up. Herc and Carver. Um, so Herc asked uh, one of uh, Marlowe's low-level dealers, Justin, about, a, about where can you get sideways hats from? And the guy says, because Herc says, and this, this, this has to be one of the dumbest Herc moments in, in, in the history of the wire. He says, I go to the stores, I go to the mall or the stores all the time, and I always see them with the front of the bill. How do you guys get them? How do you guys, how do you guys get them to look like that on the side? And the, the guy, Justin, says, you just turn it to the side. You just turn it to the side. Turn the hat to the side. And then Herc says, oh, thank you. And then Herc and Carver notice, notices some Barksdale soldiers spreading out on the street uh, from the terrace. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Herc was joking, for real. Um, and then the second thing is... I don't know with him. Is, I don't know with him. Herc, you never know. Nah, because to your first point, like, what they're showing here is that they're bored. Like, they, like there's, like, literally nothing for them to do. Um, and this is how they, this is how they handle, this is how they handle their boredom. Um, now I'm not saying that this makes Herc and Carver look like smart characters because it absolutely doesn't. This, this um, is, they this look, was this was Herc. No, no. I remember Herc, I'm saying both of them don't. They're both in this bucket because they're both having this, these dumbass conversations. Right. Um, and so, uh, so, um, so yeah, I'm definitely not saying Herc looks like a genius or anything like that. But what I am saying is that he knows that you turn a hat to the side. Um, and so, uh, and so uh, yeah, he's just, just messing around. I actually, when I, that scene, I actually was more upset with the youngin because that's the one who couldn't recognize um, uh, 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 COVID as the police chief. That's the same. Yeah, that's, that's the same, same one. Yeah, yeah. So I'm more, I'm more annoyed at him. I like, yo, I need you to stop talking to the police. <laughs> you out here selling drugs. I need you to stop. I just need you to stop. Oh, you know, to, that, to that point, that is, that is exactly to that point. That this is another scene that shows 
that will show you why this guy probably did, probably should be in the drug game. And they, they, yeah, this is intense. That young man, yeah, he annoys, this, this he annoys me. He annoys this me. <laughs> I, I need you to pay attention. If this is the profession you choose, I need you to pay attention. I need you to pay attention. You you actually need to know this. This is this is very important to your job. Who, <laughs> who, who are that, cops you, and who aren't cops? You are exactly right. <laughs> this is very yeah. important to your job. Yeah, that's yeah. This is that's the same dude from the last. Yeah, year. this a this a uh, fundamental skill. This is a fundamental skill. He uh, needs to learn. He does. So we go back to cheese and tree. Uh, tree tells cheese, "I don't think you need to. I don't think you need to kill the dog." Cheese says, "You know he, you know he went he went cur on me." And then she tree tells cheese, uh, "I think you got played. I think you got set up, got played in terms of the dog fight." And then he looks at uh, looks at a piece of uh, red cloth that was on the ground. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? Um, that's what all the other scenes were setting up to, to, to this one, everything that we talked about with the dog fight that, uh, cheese got played. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was setting up and showing all the different, tell the, the signs that he was going to get played. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Those other scenes. They, um, yeah, it's funny with this because. This was now, keep in mind, this is 2004, so this is before Michael Vick. Um, yeah, yeah, this is before Michael Vick. You, and, you know, we know, we watch television, uh, we watch a lot of television, per se, and there's a lot of just, it's basically gotten to a point, anything goes, even on network television, you have to do with sex and violence and things of that nature. You will not see dog fighting, even on premium network. Like, well, you know, no, this you know, is most part, Michael but I, I paid attention because I was thinking that exact same thing. I paid attention to how they shot the scene. At no point in time do you see the dogs ever oh, bite. So yes, that's true. Even yeah. before, oh, this is before. And most of the scene is the audience. Most of the scene is the audience's reaction to yeah. what's going on. Like the dog, it's obvious the dogs are not there for a majority of it. Right. And the only time you see like a do- the dogs wiggling is you see their backsides and it's obvious, of course, their faces aren't shot because they're biting on the chew toy or, or you know, they're playing with their owner. It's the game where they right. where they do that. Um, at no point in time do you ever see two dogs uh, being angry at each other. No. So we have Marlo and Fruit. Marlo pulls up uh, to his corner. Uh, Fruit says, you know, Tells him that you know it's probably it's probably some uh probably some boys from the terrorists, which you, probably some boys from the terrorists. Um, you know what you want us to do about it, Marlo calmly, uh, with a golf you know with with with, with a um a golf uh I, I forgot what you called it club golf club yes golf club in his yeah. front, taking up his front seat um. In his front seat, said tells Fruit to um, go back to work. When they were discuss- when discussing about, uh, the Barstow boys, uh, quick scene, but you know, this is Marlowe in terms of just he does not doesn't say a lot. Uh, what were your thoughts? Set up. Burrell, Balchek, Carcetti. So Burrell, Burrell, Balchek sets up the meeting between Carcetti and Burrell. Um, Sets up the meeting between uh, Bar- Bar- uh, Carcetti and, and Burrell. 
we'll see how that plays out. There's a later scene with the with, with both of them as well. We'll see how that plays out uh, later on in, uh, in the episode. Um, Stringer and the Barksdale, Stringer, Barksdale, and Bodie meet up. Um, Bodie says, uh, tells Stringer he can't find Marlo. Stringer sends him out the room, basically saying, you know, why are you not looking for this motherfucker like right now? Um, then, you know, Bodie says, well, you called this me. Stringer's not trying to hear it. So Bodie walks out, not walks out, but basically was sent out to go keep looking for Marlo. That's your assignment. Um, Shamrock tells Stringer about the Omar robbery, says that's the second stash that he's taking this week, and says that, hey, he said, tell, he tells us, tells me to tell you that it's going to be like this until you step to him. And he told him, he called him, he even called him out by name. Stringer says, okay, double the, double the muscle on every stash that we have. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah. Um, and now he's got this young boy, which is why his reaction, the reaction to Bodie and how that happened, right? And so that's the frustration. And then... And we know so uh, the earlier the earlier intro between Omar and um I mean the scenes with Omar and then McNulty said one thing and now you have uh in the same scene Marlo and then Omar mentioned Marlo bucking or not respecting or outwardly punk. We haven't gotten to Marlo talking to Bodie. We haven't gotten to that yet. Fine. That doesn't mean, yeah, exactly. But even in this one, that's the whole interplay between Bodie and Stringer. Everybody else talked to their people and got everything under control. Marlo's the only one. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that's what that means. That's what that scene means. And yeah. so we don't even have to get to the Marlowe, what's coming up to already be where, what I'm talking about. That's what that scene means. Um, uh, and what Stringer's hoping in that scene by sending Bodie out like that and doing that is that this isn't about punking him. This is about Bodie not trying hard enough. That's what that, was, that interplay was about. But then what, here comes Omar's name. Yeah, and then it's like, and Omar's calling you out by name, Stringer. So you're not saving face by trying to punk Bodie. All right, I'm done. Yeah, a couple of things. Number one, uh, heavy the head that wears the crown. Um, because not only does he, not only is he being robbed by Omar, he, up until this point, he cannot find, they can't find Marlo. And he doesn't, and he doesn't know Marlo. Because if and we'll we'll see if and we'll see how it plays out for, in regards to Marlo. He just does he just doesn't know. He he doesn't he I mean he knows Marlo is you know is a name, but he doesn't exactly know what Marlo is all about. Otherwise, he wouldn't send Bowie to go. No 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 no! Don't do that! Don't do that! Real, you're trying to maintain Stringer's dominance, and you're trying to allude to Marlo's dominance. That's not what's happening here. That's not what's happening here at all. Stringer is uh, Stringer is playing a game that he is not equipped to play. 
That's and we're we're seeing the we're seeing the start we're seeing the start we're seeing the start of it. And so, um, like I said, like Stringer, like Stringer's punking Bodie, so he doesn't have to look. He doesn't look like a punk in front of his people. Right. But then no, at I the agree. very I, end of it, yeah. his number two was like, and he's calling you out by name. So Stringer doesn't have to know who Marlo is or respect Marlo. He doesn't know who any of those other people are. The point was, is that his offer would be so good that nobody could refuse him. Right. And so what are you going to do when somebody refuses you? And as we know, that would be the thing that continues to play out. So we have uh, Burrell and Carcetti at their meeting. Um, he tells Burrell that you know him, him, these attacks that he has on him in these subcommittee meetings are not personal, and he says, you know, you ask him, but he basically asks Burrell, you know, how can you know how can we do better for the city? Um, Burrell basically uh, says, you know, Burrell says, listen, you know, I can't, you know, sit up here. I like I, you know, I can't. He's, says I can't sit up here and, and backdoor the mayor. Um, so you have this, you have Carcetti again trying to make inroads and trying to make inroads for what he's trying to do, um, trying to play this long game with, with talking to Burrell. Um, what were your thoughts? And, and last before, before real quick, um, he, part, he partly tells Burrell, he tells Burrell also, you know, being three years as a councilman, you know, kind of getting, you know, it's kind of getting a little irritated and bored. So he says, basically, has a, he has a position that he says doesn't carry a lot of weight or carry a lot of power. So Burrell kind of responds, responds like, so you're fucking with me because you're a little bored? And he says, yeah, basically a little bit. That's, we know that's not the main reason, but that's part of it. That's, you know, that's somewhat part of it. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. And then after he said, the, uh, but after... Carcetti said that first part, he's, the second part he says is that, um, you know, this being Baltimore, there's only certain seats he can even go after. Right. Um, and so, and so again, he's trying to figure out how he can fit into this game. And so this scene is set up for what's going to come later. So Burrell complains about some unmarked police cars, um, some unmarked police cars or a lack or in terms of a lack of unmarked uh, police cars that he had at his disposal. Um, Carcetti says, uh, I have it here. Burrell says the mayor hasn't, you know, Carcetti, Burrell says basically the mayor hasn't done anything about it. Um, and we certainly will see how that will play out over the course of the, of, of the episode. Marlowe and Vincent. So, this is the first. Our, this yeah. This is the first time we see Vincent. We uh, Vincent appear. This is at a rim shop that Vincent owns. Vincent seems to be to Marlowe what Butchie is to uh, Omar as a, kind of an advisor, who is very familiar with what's going on in the, in the game in the drug trade. So they're discussing the Barstel. Um, Avon, and he tells him, you know, are those are those people? He tells he tells Marlo, uh, those guys from the terrorists, those guys from the terrorists, they're Avon's people for sure. 
and he says, um, and this lets you know how connected Vincent is. He tells, you know, tells Marlo, you better basically tells Marlo, you better be ready for war because Avon can handle up. Um, you best be ready. And Avon is coming home soon. So that lets you know how well connected that uh, Vincent is as far as just knowing what's going on. Because nobody, like, really, I didn't, we haven't been made aware outside of Stringer that no one, that anybody knows that Avon's coming home. So that, that, I mean, I picked up on that this time around, just how much information that, uh, that Vincent had at, had, at, had at his disposal. Also, before they even got to that conversation, you see, you know, you see Marlo, you see how sharp, sharp Marlo is. Marlo is basically, basically jokes. You know, if I, you saw, if, you know, somebody saw me driving around in these rooms, I get locked up quick. So yeah, he's young, but he's not dumb by any stretch of imagination. Um, not into that materialistic stuff. So I thought that was a very important distinction uh, to let you know about this new character that we've been introduced to this season. Uh, what were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, like I, I really liked the conversation that Marlo and Milton had because um, it was almost like a, uh, uh, it was almost like a mentor-mentee conversation in terms of, or no, advisor-advisee conversation. Um, and I love like the, the parallel you use between Butchie and Omar. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, yeah, he's just trying to peep into the game. Like if you're going to make a truce, then go make the truce. But if you're not, then be prepared to go to go to battle. Um, I find it interesting that's the that's the that's the um advice being given to Marlo, but uh how that yeah, I I find it interesting that that's the advice that's being given to Marlo right now because that's going to inform a lot of what happens later on right um so we have bunk and minotti at one of the, at their favorite place the bar discussing the d'angelo barksdale uh case um minotti says you know tells him about the photos tells him about you know he's re-looking you know looking into it bunk says you know says to him you know black men normally don't kill them kill themselves and um you have, and then you, we see them, you know, do what they do. They try, you know, they run a game with this young lady, in which McNulty to to get to get McNulty basically get McNulty laid uh, at the end of the scene. Um, what are your thought? What were your thoughts on this scene? Oh, set up. Yeah. Um, tree and Jelly. Um, tree shoots Jelly. Um, who set up Cheese at the dog fight? If you want to know who Jelly is, Jelly was the guy who was with the other was with the other dude who fought whose dog fought Cheese's dog. So he had had the, the blue shirt on, wave cap. So right before he right, so Tree right, you know, Tree recognized with the game that was being running, told Cheese about it. Santo when he told him that he got played. The same guy was on the corner talking about very having a very inter interesting conversation yeah, about, yeah. about Bubby Johnson. Like, like whoa, um, the you know famous Harlem drug you know drug kingpin. Um, so he's you know telling telling these youngins a story about Bubby Johnson, and right you know before you know it, he gets popped in the head 
and said the guy tree says wolf and, and walks away. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Uh, shut up. Cutting with his parole officer. Um, parole officer basically says, just I don't care what type of job. Cutty, you know, Cutty is on his feet now, out of jail, trying to like, and by the way, has just been, you know, pushed, you know, that seemingly at this point, you think Cutty's going to go completely straight after what transpired with him last episode with fruit and getting ripped off uh, with the drugs. So Cutty, you know, the guy tells Cutty, I don't care what type of job you get, just get a, just get a job. Um, what were your thoughts on this scene? Um, yeah, 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 sorry, um, set up, it was funny, but set up funny. Daz, Daz, Daz and the little hopper, Daz is the guy who, who's, who, of course, whose dog beat Cheese's dog, um, the little, the hoppers tell them that, you know, that his, that his number two, which is Jazzy, has gotten shot. Daz doesn't have much of a reaction. Matter of fact, doesn't say anything at all and just walks back in the house. Really a scene that didn't need to be in the episode, to be honest with you. Like, it didn't, like it hasn't, it didn't, you know, but it was there. Um, yep. you know, McNulty and Frazier, uh, Doc Frazier, they continue to look at the, look at the uh, photos uh, of D'Angelo, discuss the case. Uh, at this point, uh, you think that you, at this point, the wheels are spinning in, in, in McNulty's head that D'Angelo probably did not kill himself. What were your thoughts? Yeah, he's trying to, yeah, yeah, he's trying to figure, figure it out. He's, his wheels are starting to turn. Let's set up. And by Andy and not D'Angelo and McNulty, uh, through those scenes with Doc Frazier, realizes that um, that they that the prison really did not flush out this investigation. That you know it was kind of they just kind of accepted the fact that it was a suicide and really didn't. You know he says he says who I forgot the officer officer's name or whoever worked the case, but he says they really basically. McNulty criticizes whoever worked the case, basically saying that they, state they, they, they yeah, state police says they, you know, they you know, basically dropped the ball on this as far as working this case, and you know, we'll see how that how that plays out. So, just I mean, just letting you know, an example of you know, they don't, you know, when, you know, they they're not trying to create investigations. They, you know, if some comes off as a murder or not murder, a suicide, they're gonna leave it be to try to avoid any extra. Uh, police work. Um, yeah. the, the detail press and, and Caroline Massey, uh, who decodes the messages on the wire, uh, they listen to the discussion of a murder over the wire. They listen to the discussion of the murder over uh, over the wire. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, I mean, like this is this is a it's definitely set up, but it's a big setup piece for what's going to happen at the end because it's almost like a mini twist within the rules of how the wire has gone about uh, conducting it itself as a show thus far. Yeah, this was the first really scene where um, you're gonna see kind of the direction. The new uh, a new direction that the, that the details going to go in based on the events that are happening. 
with the birds. Yeah, you definitely can't tell it here. All you're hearing is like stuff happening live. Right. But this is set up for that. Yeah. Um, you have Herc, Coop, Herc, Poop, and Carver. Um, Herc and Carver pull up the Coop to Poop's corner. Um, they take Poop in the take Poop in the car, and basically, you know, they basically telling them like, look, so unless basically saying like, look, you, you know, you're not in the terrorists anymore, or you're not in the towers anymore. Uh, this new breed of, of drug dealers is not something you've seen before. Uh, says, you know, it, it, Herc says something, not Herc, Carver says, that Carver says, doesn't it, seem, doesn't it seem like a dawning of a new day to you? And then Poop's basically saying like, look, and this is kind of go, this kind of go back to my theme of old versus new. Poop, Poop is an old head at this point. You know, he's been season three seasons in. He says to Herc and Carver, like, yeah, you know, people talk about this new generation like this new breed that we've never seen them before and so on and so on. So um, Poop doesn't, you know, Poop is not aware of how fierce the Stansfield crew in, is at this point, and nor should he be because they, like, they haven't had, you know, they haven't, they haven't uh, bumped heads as of yet. So you kind of got, kind of get a sense of, I thought this scene was a great scene from the standpoint of trying to give you a, a sense of where they were going in terms of, uh, of, of what of you know Barksdale and versus uh, Stansfield. Um, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, uh, I I thought uh, it's setup scene. Yeah, it's clear. So you know, it's definitely a setup scene. But um, it was interesting to hear Poop talk about like, yeah, we're not like I Poop is even you know we we make fun of Poop at times you know chasing women and what have you, but. At this point, three seasons in, Poop is like a grizzled veteran. So it's like he's saying that, like he's basically telling Herc and Carver, like, "Look, I've been on the streets. We, this is not, this is what it is. It's not. I'm not gonna be shook by this so-called new breed of drug dealers that you're talking about." Um, yeah, the detail here about murder over the wire, and then you have cheese. Discuss, discussing the killing of his dog uh, over the wire. Now, at this point, the detail thinks that Cheese is talking about another dealer, and then you have a you hear they hear a live shooting over the wire. Freeman goes, Freeman uh, goes to check in, checks in with Norris about Norris about the bodies. Norris basically rebuffs him, basically says, basically. Hangs up, hangs up on him because Freeman, Freeman was asking, you know, Ed, Ed, how many bodies do you have? How many bodies do you have, Norris? And Norris basically blows Freeman off and hangs up on him. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Um, it's 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 setting up for the for kind of like the big reveal at the end. You have Colvin and his second in command, Lieutenant Mello, discussing with another officer about about the juking of the stat game. Quick, but very, very important scene, in my opinion. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we're just juking the stats. I mean, this is, this is, this is where it all comes from. All these scenes come, come put together. No question about so it. It's uh, just another instance. Yep. And we, we will have plenty of time to flush out the, the whole, process of the 
of how the juking of stats. Well, I mean, it's just pay attention at this point. Like they, the like, like they're showing you what it is, but they haven't explicitly said it yet. Right, right. So we have Herc Carver, Poot Bodie, along with their girlfriends, uh, at the movie t- at the movies together at the same time. So they come out the movies um, and see each other. You have Poot. Bodie and Pooh basically, you know, taunting Herc and Carver about the fact that they bust him, they bust him all the time with no evidence and with no drugs. And then, and then you, you know, you have Bodie and Pooh, or Bodie, Bodie was leading the conversation saying, wow, so y'all go to the movies. And um, they then at the end of the scene, they see Dozeman's uh, girlfriend and, uh, which you know, uh, does they see Dozeman has a uh, is dating a black woman, which they are uh, surprised at, um, seemingly surprised at by by virtue of their uh, facial expressions. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Uh, yeah, just more Hurricane Carve not getting their lives together, or just not, it. This is a this is a scene that just didn't need to be in the episode. Let me just be probably, flat out. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're probably right. Yeah, it, it, it serves no purpose whatsoever. Uh, no, other than the fact, other than to say that Dozeman is dating a black woman, I wish I this is not sure, yeah. sure. No, it had no, it really had no significance to your point. Um, so Freeman, um, Freeman and the Eastern District, um. Freeman goes down to the Eastern District to see the photos of the murders that he wanted over the phone from Norris. So he goes down there and he sees a number of photos of, of, of these murders that are happening seemingly by the hour. Um, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> shut up. We're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. All right, this yep. is this is a very interesting scene coming up, and I I'm a I I have a uh, slight confession about this scene. So Cheryl and Kima, Cheryl and Kima has just gotten home. Cheryl is on the bed, not the bed, the couch with the baby. They then they proceed to have a conversation about a fontanelle. A fontanelle is the space between uh, the bones of a skull. So Kima asks, has has it closed? Uh, Cheryl says it won't close, won't close for a while. And Kima says, good. And Cheryl says, what? And then, you know, we continue to see the, their, the disconnect in terms of their relationship. Now, for, I didn't, I, I have to be honest with you. I, I've seen this episode, I don't know how many times, did not know what a fontanelle was. Okay. You know what a fontanelle was. Um, for whatever, I mean, no, not for whatever reason, I, I'm researching this episode, trying to do I do a podcast in this episode, so I had to look up, you know, was curious about the, curious to know what is the meaning of this word. Looked it up, like, okay, cool. The entire 16 years or whatever since this, this season was released, I was thinking how I, how I took it in watching this episode, watching this scene all these times was the fact that I was thinking that Kima, that Cheryl was offended. So I thought Fontanelle was was a vagina. Another way to say vagina. I mean, just come out and say it. So I took it as like, hey, that Cheryl was upset that Kima uh, was, you know, 
says it wasn't closed, won't close for a while. Because we, we all know and that when a woman has a baby or what have you, it takes six six weeks for the vagina to, uh, you know, what have you, without getting into details. So, yeah. Any thoughts on the scene? <laughs> I had never given it that much thought, Thrill. <laughs> so that's all you. Moving on. But again, it continues a continuance of their their uh, just failing relationship and these these space. Oh yeah, they're done. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're done. done. They're, they're, their relationship. Yeah, over. yeah. Kima has no connection with the the young boy at all at this point. Um, at all, um, we see Cuddy at work. So Cuddy gets on the work truck and heads to work. Um, quick scene. What, what were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, set up. We know where it's, it's set up. Set up. <laughs> See the detail along with Freeman uh, listening to Cheese talk on the wire and discussing the murders. Uh, what were your thoughts mm-hmm. on this? Yeah. Yep. Yep. This is it's play. It's set it up for for the end. End. Yes, this this is definitely going to play out uh, at the end towards the latter part of the episode. McNulty and Donette and and Donette's son um, forgot his name, but yeah, D'Angelo's boy. So McNulty, um, we know at this point his wheels are are spinning in regards to the D'Angelo uh, case. He goes to Donette and basically says. Um, Basically says he, you know, he's looking into it, and he feels like he owes, you know, D'Angelo something. Ask her, you know, asking her questions. He goes in there, sits down, and picks just out of nowhere, picks up her son. Um, before they even even continue to talk about D'Angelo, she says, uh, "Can you put him down, please?" And of course, he acquiesces, put, puts him down. He leaves his card. Um, besides the, and we'll see how again. This is this this scene will will play out throughout the course of of, of, of the rest of the season. With with this scene, what this scene ends up leading to. But the I this this was a classic McNulty from just a complete lack of just I guess not reading the room. Like you, you're in the house of the enemy. Like you've put. The Barksdale's in jail. You were part of a police force that put the Barksdale's in jail. The mother, the father of her son, and you are comfortable enough to pick her son up and sit him on your lap. Just, I, was just, I was just, even now, looking back at it, even, you know, seeing, again, seeing this scene a number of times, but even looking at it again yesterday, I was like, like wow. Like, okay, really, McNulty? This, this is what... <laughs> This is what you're gonna do. What What were your thoughts on this scene? Uh, I think McNulty's trying to stir up some stuff in the Barstow organization. He's he sees the tea leaves of how the wires going, um, and so he's trying to find another avenue to go at them. At this point in time, right? Got you. So yeah, so of course he leaves his 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 uh his work card with uh with Donette. Um Major Major Taylor at and com at Comstat with Rawls 
Uh, poor Major Taylor. He's just like, man, he's, you know, he's just getting drilled left and right from Rawls. Doesn't have a clue what's going on in his own district. Uh, can't even finish his answers because Rawls, you know, he, Rawls basically is finishing all, fin Rawls is finishing, Rawls is answering, asking and answering the questions at the same time. Uh, yeah, because Taylor doesn't have a clue. This guy clearly is an incompetent major. Um, mm, slow down. No, slow down because you just uh, said he. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Now you're going to. Now you're making me jump in. Um, uh, because uh, you just said he's both asking and answering the questions at the same time. So. He knows the answer before he asks the question. And but he Taylor knows his major Taylor doesn't does have not, answers to the question. Yeah, but the problem is Taylor, Taylor doesn't have any mm -mm. answers. That's part of the problem. Nope. Nope. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Uh, Ross is being an asshole. He's asking specific questions of data of which he doesn't have and which he knows he doesn't have. And the way that you know that he doesn't have it is because the only way that that data is had is by the wire. So that's number that. one. And then the, then the number two thing, so really you're not going to win this, so don't even try. And the number two thing is, is that's the overall assessment of the entire show about the Baltimore City Police Department, right? It's like that, like, because of the techniques they're using, the techniques themselves are ineffective. And so what Rawls is in effect doing is he's beating on a major for using ineffective for using techniques he's already knows is going to be ineffective and then pulling out specific data points that he's going to beat him over the head with no he no he's definitely doing that but he's all but the guy also had no clue about the dudes that were being killed he's like he's asking like what about no this nobody does about that's why that's why it's so important what happens at the end i was trying to save it but you keep you keep up nobody does that's why it's so important what what um what the unit does at the end but Nobody i know, I, I, mean, I, 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 I get what you're saying as far as like he's he's you know he's be, you know taking shots mm -mm. Here, don't give his, don't give rawls that credit at his own system which he is i see listen i i'll call out rawls for being an asshole i don't think rawls was being an asshole i, I, I yeah he I, was yeah he was he absolutely was real and this guy's this guy is incompetent nope nope you're wrong this one, you're wrong. You don't think this guy... That is not what that... That's, no, that's not what that scene was reading at all. At all. Rawls was being abusive with his power. Period. In the sentence. So he tells the And guy, the entire argument, and the entire argument on, on this show, on all of this, as we've already stated, on Comstat is all bullshit. So Rawls is just picking numbers he wants to use at that point in time to bang on the guy. So Ross, Ross tells him at the end of uh, the scene, you got eight hours to get this under uh, control. Um, Marlo and Bodie. So Bodie finally completes his homework assignment, finds Marlo. Um, Bodie approaches Marlo uh, carefully, very carefully. Um, and says, you know, can we? He says, you know, I'm with, I'm with, you know, the Barksdales, Stringer Bell. He uses their names. Um, Avon 
not Avon. Marlowe, of course, is, is out the car, has his golf club, is is genuine, uh, uh, is um, gently swinging his golf club, and not even and says tells Bodie, "I need you to go pack up your people." Um, I need you to go pack up your people while I'm still being a gentleman. I'm being a, I'm being a gentleman for the moment without even looking at uh, Bodie. And Bodie, of course, walks away. Um, he said, yeah, he says, I need you to go pack up your people. I'm being a gentleman for the moment. Swinging a golf club, you know, gently and um, not even looking Marlowe, not even looking Bodie in the eye. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, good scene, great. I mean, very good scene. I mean, uh, well acted, completely straightforward. There's nothing that I can, there's no depth or anything that I can add to it. But I do have a question. Why a golf club? Why do you think? Why did, why did they choose a golf club for him to have? There had to be a reason why, because it is it's very random. Um, yeah. 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 So that's it. That's it. No, I mean, not not even expect the answer. That's just the thing that came to my mind. It's like, huh? Why a golf club? Because other, I mean, it's, it's, oh, it's, oh, it's I, great. Oh, no, it's, no, I got no, it. I got it. I got it. Okay. Got it. So golf, golf is a individual sport for the most yep. part. Other than a caddy, and you know, yeah, other than a caddy, golf, you're on your own with the golf. It's you versus yep. the course. Marlowe is on is, is on his own. He's an independent. He doesn't have any backing. He's not with and he's not affiliated with anybody at this point. So that's the best I can do. Okay. All right. I'll go with it. Cause I got nothing. Yeah, that's the best I can do uh, from a stand from that standpoint. Um, the detail and uh, Perlman discuss they 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 enjoy some crab legs, which made me extremely hungry. Those crab legs. Are, those crabs were good. Crab, crabs with beers, the best. So they're, they're enjoying some crabs and they're discussing the, the wire. They're discussing giving up the wire to focus on, not giving up the wire, but shifting the focus of the wire to focus on all these murders that are happening. Everybody is on the same page, of course, except Jane McNulty. Even Kiva says, well, four is a big number. And then McNulty gives her a look like, yo, really? You're going to you know, switch up on me like that? So Daniel says, look, we got a narcotics, narcotics unit that can focus on drugs. It wasn't just, this unit was not just designed to lock up drug dealers. We got narcotics for that. We're going to shift all our resources and all our attention at this point on the murders. What are your thoughts? All right. So um, just a uh, spoiler alert. Everybody in this scene gets the Chardin Award because there's a lot going on in the scene. There's so much going on in the scene. Um, it's 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 very it's very comp it's very complicated and complex in my mind. Um, all right, so on one end, I've been really consistent about my opinions of Nolte character and how how everything's going. But on on in this instance, I 100% agreed with him. I 100% agreed with him. Um, he says, um, you know, we got a top lieutenant talking murders on the wire and we can't figure out how to shut up and take notes. If this was the FBI, if this was a CIA, if this was the NSA, this was any type of an investigative thing, even when a crime is being committed, you do not jeopardize your wire. You don't. Because 
the end goal is the big is the big fish that's going to topple all that. Now, while I 100% agree with Noti, also, um, uh, 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 Perlman and Daniels. Greg, not Greg, Greg. Perlman and Daniels, thank you. Um, Perlman and Daniels are 100% right. They're 100% yeah. right. There is a war that's going on. They have an obligation to the city, especially Perlman, has an obligation to the city to stop it. Um, uh, Daniels is right in that the unit is not specifically about Stringer. In the FBI case, it might be. Like when they tackled the five mafia family, right? It was about that person objective. And so even if a crime is being committed there, what, what Daniels is saying is that's not, it's not just about Stringer. It's not just about Avon. It's about the reducing the body count in the city. Um, and so this is one of those occasions where everybody's correct, honestly, in their assessment. Because, of course, what none of them know is that the person on the wire is a dog that right. Jesus is talking about. No, they yeah, they so they're, everybody is under the assumption that that is a human being that she's murdered and they have that on the wire. And so with everybody being under that same assumption, everybody's comments are equally right. They're equally right. Um, and so that's interesting to play as actors. And so that's why I gave everybody in that scene a Chardin Award, because you got to act incompetent of the fact of the knowledge that you know that that's a doll. You know, you know where the scene is going to go there. But also, you have to also fundamentally act where you believe you're 100% correct and you think the other person's 100% wrong. But also know that they, of course, are right. So anyways, it's, it's just a, it's a fascinating scene to play for me um, as I was watching it. Yeah. Um, some, of the, like, some of the best writing in, in television scenes are like this, where there's, where you can see both perspectives and it's not, right. there's no black or white. And this right. definitely depicted that, especially from a guy in terms of McNulty, we which we will won't hesitate to call him out on his on his bullshit. Um, but he said he actually had a point, even though he was in the minority of the point that he was making. It was a, still is a valid point that he was, that he was making. He was one hundred percent correct. One hundred percent correct. So. Uh, we'll see how this plays out over the course of uh, over the course of, you know of the course of the episode. Um, see Cuddy go back to Cuddy. I go ahead to Cuddy. He's doing lawn work as the owner of the house is just badly trying badly speaking bad Spanish, and the workers, the uh, Latino workers, have no clue on in terms of what the hell she's saying. Uh, and Cuddy's kind of observing this. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, this is set up. We get, we go back to the detail. We see the detail go raid a, a stash house. Um, <laughs> funny part about this scene was the dude. The door was already open, and the the guy in the front with the barricade hesitated. And Daniels was like, "Go!" <laughs> like the door's open, you just gonna stand there. So we see them raid a, a a we see them raid a stash house. Any thoughts on this scene? Set up. 
get back to Hurt Carver and uh, Dozeman. They uh, right before they're about to go in there, undercover sting operation. Yeah. They uh, Herc is discussing those says something about Dozeman's girl about you know having sex about Dozeman girl. Dozeman's girl doesn't realize that Dozeman probably heard it. Because he said it, as soon as he said it, Dozeman like walked past quickly and Herc tried to play off that as to say, hey, what's up, Dozeman? Dozeman, I'm, I'm guessing that Dozeman probably heard it. Heard, probably heard. No, he didn't hear it. He didn't hear it. He didn't hear it. No, he did not. So he says, uh, he finally comes up with the guy that he was asleep with. And he says, uh, Bus Triando, the Oreo catcher, tells you know, tell the story about, you know, he had the toughest job in baseball catching Cleet Will, Wilhelms. Uh, knuckleball. These are these are actual players, by the way. Uh, those of you want to reference that um, back in the day in the '70s, I when the Warriors were, were great, were a good team. Um, so, yeah, Carver has accomplished what he wanted to accomplish, and that Herc. Here's the thing: Herc was 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 going to be, and you're right about those. Those didn't hear it. Herc was the butt of this joke the entire time, without even knowing it, because. You see, as they, well, we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll say it. This, this, it's a different scene, but we'll, we'll see it. What transpires? But Herc is going to be the Herc is, is going to be the butt of this joke. It's going to be the butt of of this um, of this joke um, of this joke in the entire episode. Um, any thoughts on, on any thoughts on this? Nah, nah. I got nothing to add. Cheese bunk and McNulty. Um, so they uh, they. They bust Cheese based on what they heard from the wire. Of course, they they go in thinking that Cheese is that Cheese confessed to a murder, and they start showing Cheese some pictures of, of, of the various murders. Cheese immediately, you know, calls for the lawyer, says, you know, lawyer time, and then they uh, you hear Bunk, you know, Bunk make fun of Cheese in terms of what he said on the wire. And then they play. They played it. The, and then McNulty says, "Well, yep, we got you on tape." And then she, they ask him. You know, they try to make a deal with him. He says, "Well, where, you know, where'd you leave the body?" And they said, "You know, uh, you know, behind." He tells them the place, and, and then he brings up the SPT, SPT, which of course, which picks up animals. And then they realize that the fact that they have blown their wire over. Uh, a, over a confession of killing uh, killing a dog. Um, what were your thoughts? Yes, this is where all the setup that I've been talking about has been leading to. And this is actually a big, 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 big uh, transition from the show, right? Like when the wire comes down, the show's over the past two seasons. Um, uh, and it was all about building up to the wire. Now in this new reality, um, where Daniels doesn't have to put the group together from scratch, like it is a running unit, the wires will, will they will be continuously up and investigating, and so um, this is a departure from that from that normal. So that's why I thought like this was this was this was so important um, because they're setting up a little bit of a new reality and new rules here that the show is departing from just being about the wire investigation. So that's why this scene is important. Yes. Yeah, it's a big, like you said, it's a big scene as far as the direction of, of the unit moving forward. Um, no, no, direction of the show, Surreal, the not sh the unit, the show. Oh, this, yeah, is, this is a message show. and a statement for the entire show. 
Daniels and Perlman uh, hook up at the bar. Um, we'll see how that plays out. Of course, Daniels, of course, is you know him and his wife are on the outs. Before that, McNulty tried to uh, try to uh, you know try to get with um, Perlman. She basically you know she blows him off, and then she because uh, she has you know clearly has her eyes on one uh, Lieutenant Daniels. Uh, any thoughts on this? Set up. You have uh, Carcetti and Burrell talking again. Carcetti has taken, you know, takes care of uh, Burrell's unmarked cars. Um, then he tells, you know, so now he has Burrell, he has a he has Burrell. Uh, he's done a favor for Burrell. So now, now Burrell is in in with Carcetti um, from from the standpoint of Carcetti's accomplished what he wanted to accomplish to get in with uh, Burrell by doing that favor. So he tells Carcetti, you know, Carcetti basically says, you know, what else? And he tells them that they, uh, tells Carcetti that they don't have the funds, don't have funds for, for academy class. And the, the mayor told him that it wasn't in the budget. Carcetti says, I know for a fact that that's not true. So we see Carcetti making moves to what he wants to ultimately uh, want to do, which we will certainly flush out throughout the course of the season. What were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, so this this is actually a big chess move right here. Um, or not even chess move at this point. It's kind of checkered because it's very, very obvious what's going on. But um, it's just like when you're hustling somebody. The first part of the hustle is you need their buy-in. So let's let's take like a easy street hustle, right? Like three card Monty, right? Like show me the queen, blah blah blah. When they're moving it out, so you either have like a shell, a shell, somebody that that everybody sees wins first, and then the person who comes next, of course, is not going to win, and nobody else is going to win after that. Or you let the person, like Carcelli in this sense, Burrell, you let the person whose money you're ultimately going to take, you let them win first. You let them win a couple times. So they feel comfortable. And then you take them for their money. Pool game hustle, you know, like anyway. So oh, yeah. Yeah. the first part of the hustle was just give me something. Give me anything. Oh, units? Cool. So now Burrell is like, oh, he got that done. And there was no. And even Carcetti said, did anybody get screwed over? Is anybody in the papers or anything? Nah, you got your stuff. It was real cool, real easy. So now he's got his, he's got his, he got him, his hook. He baited him with the, the, the cars. Um, and now he's got his hooks into Burrell. And so that's, the, that's why I said this is, the bet, this is the move because the situation now that he brought up, of course, this was Carcetti's gamble is that after he got him these cars, that it wouldn't be something trivial and trifling. The next thing that he brought up or, the, you know, the net whatever. And so he eventually upped it. And so this is the upping for Burrell. This is not something that's going to go unnoticed by the mayor. Yeah. And that's ultimately what Carcetti wants. Yeah, and Carcetti, they also said this in the city, Carcetti, you know, had a connection with the dude in terms of getting those cars. He says, me and, me and uh, we went to, I, I went to, we went to Catholic school together, St. Leo's or something like that. So he, like, it, like he, he got this done with no, basically, it didn't take a lot for him to get this done. This was nothing to him to get. It was no risk for him or nothing at all. He got this done with a snap. No, anything, anything that Burrell asked him, he can get done. That's the point. That's the whole point of it. 
if he can't get anything done, then he would would not have any power. <laughs> and there would be no point for him to try to go at anyways, let me stop talking. So I give things away. But yeah, that's 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 the point. That's the point. The point is that he can easily get Burrell anything done that he needs. So he has Burrell at this point. Um we go to Herc. Yeah, we go to Herc, Carver, and Dozeman. So they have they go they go for this under this go they go for the underground, not an underground, an undercover sting where those Dozeman is the primary. Um those men get shot. Buy and bust. Buy, buy, and, buy and bust. Yep, buy and bust. Yep, buy, buy and bust. Those men is the undercover cop that, you know, that, that's, buy, you know, that's buying. And he, uh, he gets shot. In the, he gets shot, shatters, his, gets his jaw shattered. Um, and, of course, his gun, his, during this, uh, his gun was, uh, during this COVID, all right, let me, yeah, I'm skipping ahead. Those men get shot during this, uh, during, during this situation. Colvin and Colvin, of course, gets the call that Dozeman's gotten shot. Um, what were your thoughts on this on this scene? Yeah, this is the, so. A lot of the efforts were. This is a pretty big scene, of course. A lot of efforts early on were to humanize Do, Dozerman, um, Doberman, whatever his name is, because we've never met him and nobody cares about him. Um, and so, uh, so it's just to get him humanized a little bit because then this, the payoff is going to be this: that a cop is shot, and 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 it's the it's the payoff and the last. Doberman is a tool. Yes, for the big, yeah, yes, yeah. for the yeah. for the for the big, and so so that's where this pays off right now. Um. We see Daniels and Perlman, they, uh, they sleep together. Um, he has, you know, Cedric finally has his own apartment, though, you know, a little messy, but she says she doesn't care about that. Um, you know, there's really nothing too much, not too much to add to that uh, from that standpoint. Um, Colvin, Herc, Carver, and the Western, other Western officers. So they get the news that those men is gonna live Shattered jaw. Of course, they have no solid leads. Um, Herc, before before Coven arrives on on not on the scene, but at the at the station, Herc says, "You know, guy, we we, we find this dude. He's a dead man. So on, you know, usual usual Herc type talk and what have you." Coven at this point is is has had enough. Um, and I thought this was well played by Robert Wisdom, who plays Coven. You can see his body language. He drinks a drinks part of a beer and tosses it on tosses it on the roof, which with thousands of cans and seemingly on on that rooftop, hundreds I should say. So he's had enough, and this you know this will we will see what this sets off uh, later in the episode, and also of course throughout this season. What were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, but that's what we meant in last scene that Do- that Doberman was was a tool, yeah. Yeah. and he's he's the he's the he's the last straw. Essentially, he was he was going to be the last straw for for COVID, um, and that's 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 what this scene means. And you see during this scene as well when they're describing when they're describing Herc, not Herc, Carver's describing what happened. Coven's just shaking his head like no, 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 and yeah, that he's he's you know he's at he's reached his breaking point at this point uh, in this particular time in, in this particular moment. 
um, as he's drinking the beer. Um, Kima comes to the house. She sees uh, Shura with the baby. They're asleep. She immediately fixes herself up for a couple minutes and then goes directly out, uh, leaves the house. Uh, she goes to a bar and she meets a girl or she's being stared upon by an attractive lady at the bar. Now, quick story, quick side story about that, that young, well, she's not young, I don't think she's that young anymore. This, this, you know, this was about 15 years ago. That lady's name is Liz Robbins. Liz Robbins is, is a model, fancy sports lover. The reason why I mention this, mention this, because Liz Robbins was a, a guest, was a guest one time on the Real Deal podcast, but long, way back when. So just wanted to mention that, uh, that sidebar that that young lady was on, on my program a long time ago as a, you know, talking sports and, and about her career as a model. Um, any thoughts on that scene? Uh, no, set up. Set up, yeah. Uh, Daniels and Pearlman, um, he's in his new apartment and what have you. Nothing to talk about from that standpoint. Coven and big scene right here. Coven and Deacon and uh, and the Deacon. Now uh, and the Deacon. They so Coven. This is the morning after. Uh, Coven, you know, is is physically, mentally shot, tired. Tells you know he's he's taking a call and his car says, "Look, you don't want me talking to the police right now." Um, you really depressed. So depressed, not the police. Excuse me. Depressed. Uh, that wouldn't be wise. So. He gets in contact with, with the deacon, um, says, you know, you got a cup of coffee, you got some coffee boiling. They have a conversation. Um, Colvin, in the conversation, very introspective conversation, saying that I got my 30 in. Um, I had an officer tonight get shot. He lived, um, but, and he lives. He says, that's my, that's my, you know, that's where I'm at in my career. Like, a success is absence of a negative. He says, the city is worse than when I came in, when I took it over. Uh, the deacon says, hey, you know, you fought the good fight. You know, fighting the drugs, fighting drugs is like sweeping leaves on a windy day. Um, very, it, you know, it made me think about, I thought about this scene the day, too, when I was getting ready for the show. The force of nature. He often, yeah, he calls the force of nature. I said, I said that. He says, yeah, he says, yeah. Oh, you did say force. Okay. He yeah. said, yeah. Lead, yeah, he said drugs. Yeah, yeah, no, I, that, 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 I, yes, 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 yes. Keep going, keep going what you say. Um, so, I thought about this, and I, I'm going to guess, Colvin's got 30 years in, so I'm going to guess that he probably is in his early to mid-50s, per se. And the, the idea that you reach that point in your life where you start to reflect on what legacy the legacy and what your life yep. has yep. meant. And did you yep. Yep. did you fight the good fight? Did you accomplish what like what purpose has your life met served? And has your what, yeah, what, what did, well, yeah, legacy from that standpoint. Very introspective scene. Uh, tremendously acted by by Colvin Bunny by uh, you know Robert Wisdom and also the Deacon, who is not even who's not even an actor. Um, so the Deacon is a is the guy whose Avon's character is based upon. That guy was a real dude uh, out there as far as he was a real drug dealer. 
Kingpin, ideally, Kingpin, Melvin Williams, and Vader Simon, not Simon, Ed Burns busted him back in 86. So he, his cat, the guy that plays that role, Avon, the Avon Barcel character is, is mostly based on that, that dude. And um, yeah, what, what were your thoughts on this scene? And uh, Ed Burns and Melvin, Melvin Williams for, uh, for the friendship over the yes, years. Yes, they're very, they up until the point where Williams died. He died a couple years ago. Yeah, they were very close. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's how the wire can be the wire because of a relationship like that. That's the only way this show can be as good as it is um, because of a relationship like that. Or, you know, who knows? One of the reasons why it was as good as it was was because of a relationship like that. That's as intimate and as close as you can get as a person on the outside, developing a friendship and a relationship with someone who lived that life and who's willing to tell you the intricacies of the story. That's how you can do, you can paint this picture so well. Um, so that's a very, 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 very important relationship. Um, as far as the scene goes, uh, it's a, it's a series stiller. I love the scene. I'd love the, like, the reason I didn't hear you say it's like a force of nature was because I was listening to you say the next line. I was waiting for that line. I love that line. It's uh, just, it's an amazing scene. This is, this is a top five scene in the entire series for me. Wow. Wow. You got yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. It's so powerful. It's so powerful because he's essentially saying, he's telling it's like it's like what you said. As a person, when you go and you reflect on your life, like how powerful is that, first of all? Yeah. And then what they're talking about is such a powerful concept, right? Like this thing that is drugs and what Melvin Williams, what he's saying, the pastor's saying is you're not fighting drugs. You're fighting people's basic instincts. You can't defeat that. Yeah, you can't you fight can't nature. Defeat, you can't fight nature. You, no, 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 no. You can't fight man's want to destroy himself. Yes. Yeah. You can't fight that. That's a force of nature. That is inherent in humanity. Yeah. And so he's saying, don't put all that on your shoulders. Yeah. You did. I mean, like what he's saying is you fought, you fought the good fight. Right. You got up every morning, dressed up, and tried to police. And that's as best as you can do. Yeah. Um, but... It, no, it is. But Bunny's yeah, in a no. different, and Colvin's in the space because Doberman just got shot. Right. Yeah. That's why that's such a powerful moment. What happens? He's not going to be talked out of what what's coming. No, 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 not at all. Yeah. This, even though, even though, uh, what's the what's Melvin Williams' cat? Now I'm thinking so hard. Melvin Deacon, Williams. Well, what's his character's he, he, name? We at this is, point it was just, is he just Deacon right now? Yeah, right now it's Deacon. Yeah, that's that's I, I saw Deacon. Deacon. Okay, yeah, yeah. So the Deacon. Deacon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember if they said his name either um but the deacon's 100 percent right he's 1000 1 billion 1 everything percent right in a, in a in a in a essence this is so much of what this show is about but so funny um so, so it's like a look in a mirror like the show's put up a mirror to itself because it's a show about fighting against drugs but to what end right and he's that that line leaves on a windy day that sums it up 
that I mean, like we've all been there. Any of us that have had any type of lawn space and have lived in any type of environment where it gets fall and the leaves fall, you wake it up. And if it's windy, it's just you're just raking for them to fly across the yard again. It's such a deep, powerful uh, analogy and a look at what they're saying. It's so good. It's so good. No, like it's, I said, it's, it's a no, it is a tremendous scene. It, no, it, it like yeah, it's, it's it's a tremendous scene. It's, it can mean. I mean, look, I'm saying that's a top five for me. This that scene speaks to everything that About I enjoy. Stuff. And but I can understand where that's mm-hmm. not a that's barely rec- barely recognized by other people. I totally get it. I totally get it. But I love that scene. No, it, no, it's it's a tremendous scene. Yeah, like he, you know, and also consider staying on that theme of mentorship. You know, we saw Marlo with Vincent, and we talk about Butchie and Omar. Um, you know, uh, he we will see this relationship play out over the next couple of seasons as far as it is kind of, it kind of falls, falls in that realm too of a, of a mentorship. Like this guy, clearly the deacon, the deacon's clearly older than, um, than bunny. And yeah, but I don't know when you go to confession, is that mentorship, at least right now, this feels more confessional. It was confessional, but I then feel I'm like, thinking, I feel, I feel like the deacon, advice. So you're right. I think it's, I think it's a little bit both. I think, yes, this, like he, Coleman's going there as a confessional, but this guy, he's going to this guy because he trusts this dude. So you don't just talk to anybody. You know what I'm saying? Nah, you definitely don't. Not about this. He clearly, (laughs) not about your life. This is is some uh, deep, this is some therapist type shit. This is, you know what I'm saying? This was deep, that deep. So he clearly trusts this dude to have that type of conversation uh, that level of conversation with about sh- sharing that 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 type of information and that you know just you know putting himself in this vulnerable place uh, from that standpoint yeah. and this guy and this dude this deacon you know gave him and I, I think this is where the mentorship comes in as well the deacon wanted him to see and we we you and I both know this being in education we appreciate the small victories and we've been told you need to mm-hmm. appreciate the small victories. The deacon wanted, I think in that moment, the deacon wanted him to appreciate, like, bruh, you've been in the game for 30 years. That's an accomplishment. Yeah. Like, that's a big deal. Please, please, you, you're a major. I'm sure they didn't, he didn't say that you're a major, but that, I'm sure, you know, he would want him to think about that. Like, you you had a great career from that standpoint. The fact that you've been around for 30 years at, you know, in the game is, is an accomplishment. You've been fighting right, for 30 right. years. So I feel like that, that, like, yeah, that is, yeah, it is a great, great, great scene. It's a, it's a tremendous scene. Um, and the fact that, and also, you, we mentioned earlier about the Burns, um, the Burns-Deacon uh, relationship from, you know, off camera in terms of in real life. The fact that this guy was an ex-drug dealer and been through the shit that he'd been through and put himself through, put himself through for being a kingpin, even adds even more layers to that, to that scene from the standpoint of like this dude been through some real shit in his life, his own personal life. So yeah, beautiful scene. Uh, great, great scene. Um, you know, best scene in the episode, like in to your point, I probably, when I go back and look, when we, when we're done this, um, on all these seasons, I probably will agree with you that this probably will be ranked up in, in a top five, top top ten scene uh, in the history of the show. Um, 
we go to the detail. So the detail, right at this point, they're stuck. Uh, they have no activity on the wire because of you know they they basically blew their blew their wire from the standpoint of with, with cheeses. Since cheeses arrest, there's no drug activity. So we see. Um, I think that, and you could tell me if I'm reading too much if I'm reading too much in it or read too much in it. I think uh, we heard. Oh, so I had to, this is a very important point. I forgot about this. It's very important. So when they played that tape of Cheese speaking on the wire, Prop Joe's voice actually, I, I want to say that Prop Joe's voice actually was on that, on that tape. Like he said, you did what you had to do. It sounded, that sounded like Prop Joe. Mm, wait, what? Which one? When they play, they, where two, wait? Or which scene are we on? No, we're on the scene where the detail, the detail is stuck. They lost all the activity, has been cut off. It's right. People on the wire. Yes. Yep. So. Yep. I, I I mentioned we're on that we're on that scene, but I'm saying though I forgot to mention when they were playing when they were listening to Cheese talk and he was talking about killing the dog, he was talking to somebody else, and the, the other person said, "You did what you had to do." It sound that sounded like Prop Joe. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't know. I definitely. I don't know. And the reason why I mention that is that that will be. And I don't, I'm. Gonna, I'm gonna stop right there because before I spill the beans, spill the beans. I'm. Gonna, I'm like I'll. I'll stop right there because that will okay. be. This will be very. That will be very important. It's very important the fact that there's no activity. It's not a coincidence that cheese got busted. They blew their wiretap, and all of a sudden there's no activity. That's not a coincidence at all. Well, no, they say it because like it's. They blew the wire, so the they they told Cheese, right? We so had a wire. Or, you know, so joke. yes, Cheese. So yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, they, that everybody's will, gonna dump their phones, right? But that yes, that's gonna affect that. Well, yeah, I can't. We can't say that's gonna affect how Prop Joe conducts business moving forward. But yeah, I mean, like that. That I don't think. I don't think that's a secret. Okay. That, that I mean, like that's that's reasonable to just knowing the wire and just knowing anything. Honestly, like if. I'm, that's why they didn't want to give up the wire because if I tell the people that whose phone I've wired, hey, your phones are wired, what are the people going to do? Yeah. Get rid of the phone. Yeah, get rid. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, that's why they say, what do you, like, when it goes to wire's dad, they'd be like, uh, uh, Greg goes, what are, well, it's what we expect, or what do you expect? One of the two. Yeah, what, yeah good. she did say. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah. So uh, we go to the last scene. Uh, Colvin comes in. He addresses his his entire unit. Um, says that the undercover buys are suspended, uh, effective immediately. Um, and he gives the epigraph. There's never been the paper. The paper. A paper bag lays out the foundation of his plan, or lays out the beginnings of the foundation of his plan to deal with the drug war. Now the paper bag analogy. He tells a story of way of back in the day. They, you know, cops, police officers. You couldn't, you can't drink uh, liquor uh, open in the open bottle, open can liquor publicly. So he tells tells a story, and uh, someone, whatever Braves, whoever, whichever person, whoever it was, came up with the idea of putting the liquor bottle or can in a paper bag. He says, this allowed us to ignore 
this bullshit of wasting time of hassling people trying to trying to get their drink on and allowed us to go and do real police work. He says, this was a great moment. He says, this was a great moment for uh, whoever came up with this uh, particular invention per se. He says, the problem is for the drug war, there's never been a paper bag until now. And then he puts two vials, three. He said, Doberman got shot over three vials, three vials. So he puts three vials in a paper bag. He says, there's never been a paper bag, paper bag for the drug war until, until now. Um, yeah, uh, uh, just a great, perfect way to end the um, episode. Uh, what, were your, what were your thoughts? Uh, so first, my first thought is money bet. Most people have this as a top five um, wire scene right. right here. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's, it is as well-known a scene as any scene can That's be scene. In, yep. wire, in wire history. Um, Oh, further than that, it, it unfurls uh, uh, Colvin's manifesto, his reform initiative. Yeah. Um, it, it's, right, it's all right there. Now, I'm even going to take this another level higher. Um, the reason why I said, and I was waiting for this, this exact scene to go into this. The reason why I said this season is where The Wire grew up, the first two seasons, you could tell that The Wire is very technically proficient. And that means, well, shot well acted, well scripted, fantastic. This, this right here is the wire, where The Wire grows up and becomes a television show, a great television show, because it becomes more theatrical. And this is, this is, a, this is a speech at, in Caesar. In, um, what's the movie with Charleston Heston? Um, in and there, in the, going around. Spartacus. Spartacus. So Spartacus. This is uh, this is um, Russell well, Crowe. Spartacus, um, yeah. Spartacus was actually perfect. no, 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 Gladiator. Spartacus Gladiator. is Heston. Russell Crowe is, is uh, uh, Spartacus. Is, Spartacus is Kurt Douglas. That's Spartacus. That's Kurt Douglas. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Charles well, Heston. Heston. No, Charlton Heston was Ten Commandments. Spartacus was Kurt Douglas. You can Ten Commandments. Up. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Heston's Ten Commandments. Yeah, yeah. Take it. Say, you know, yeah. The pattern, I hope yeah, I know what you're saying. I know clear. Yeah, Heston, uh, yeah, Heston, Ten Commandments. Yep, 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 yep. Sparta, Spartacus gladiator type speech. Yeah. Um, trying to remember the actors. I probably should have left that out. Um, but Russell yeah, so, yeah, Russell Crowe and gladiator. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, this is, this is when, this is, this is when, this is the first of like this type of operatic speech, theatrical speech. That is in there, so we get it early, and we're damn sure going to get it later with others in between. This is where the wire becomes becomes the best television show. Period. Yeah, because they added this to their game. It's like a great player when they add that turnaround J. They added the the everything else fundamentally fantastic. Every everything else perfect, and then they add something on top of that. To their game, yeah, and they, they creating a more theatrical experience through the show, not just a nitty, real nitty gritty cop show, which is great, but that can wear real thin um, over a period of time. And how many times can you do that? This is where the show it pivoted, it changed, it morphed, and then it added something 
um, fantastic to this game. Yeah, I thought they did a brilliant job of showing, of, of leading you up to him making this decision. Like even going back to the episode where the young boy got shot uh, in season two, when he gets to the scene and he's like, you know, he's talking to Rawls. Rawls says, says something to him. He's like, and he tells Rawls, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the drill. It's just pointless, though. He says what we're going to do is pointless. Um. And he, you know, when he talks, when he suspends the, when he suspends the, um, the undercover but undercover buys, that's, you can say that's an emotional decision, but that's also a strategic decision from the standpoint. That's also speaking to him saying that this shit, this but, shit is real. Yeah, but you can't break up his speech like that in the components. Like when you when you deliver like what a new plan is going to look like you thought about all components of the plan right so of course he's suspending the buy to initiate his new action so the two go together it's not two separate initiatives no no but um i thought i thought they just did a tremendous job at showing you giving you the steps of especially with the, with the particular actor robert robert wisdom of, of his frustrations with the with this uh Part of the institution uh, way of things that were uh, that were being that were being done. Um, yeah. Oh, that actually wasn't the last scene. The last scene actually is Hurricane Hurricane Carver. That should have been the last scene. So Hurricane Carver, Hurricane Carver uh, discussed Coven's speech. Uh, obviously, did uh, definitely Herc is not happy. Herc definitely isn't happy about it. And then they watch Bodie and his crew, you know, grind on the uh, on the corner. When normally they probably would have went and probably tried to bust that crew, but they they're under orders, you know, not to just do pointless buy and bust uh, per se. So they watch Bodie and his crew grind, and the, then the episode ends. So we already see that. Uh, Coven's way of thinking is not going is not initially going to be well received. That's I mean that was the whole the whole point of that of that particular scene. Yeah. Um, as far as um, again, we talked about the themes earlier. I thought, you know, I thought about just you know again I mentioned earlier old versus uh, new in terms of ideas and, and things alike. And, you know, we saw with Bodie and Marlowe and, I mean, Fox Sales and Marlowe and, and what COVID directions Coven is going into uh, versus the institution. What, what were your thoughts on the, uh, like on the themes of this particular episode? Yeah, I mean, like, I like that. And then just the continuing theme of reform. Yeah, yeah. MVP, who was your MVP? Colvin. 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 I had Carcetti. Yeah. I had Carcetti. Um, how he just finessed um Burrell. And you know, I I I I've I know I've I've said I, I know I've said some bad, some terrible things about Burrell earlier in the in the, in the series. But yeah, Burrell is not, you know, he's not a complete dummy. He Burrell knows he Burrell kind of doesn't see what Carcetti is going doesn't doesn't see Carcetti's big picture. 
But he does. But Burrell does know that Carcetti clearly wants something from him. So I give Carcetti a lot of credit for finessing someone who probably knows that you're trying to finesse him and still getting what you want uh, from that standpoint. Um, so I had him as as my um, MVP. But I did Coleman definitely could have, yeah, without question. Yeah, my my argument for Coleman is saying it's not even an argument. I mean, no. we have our MVPs, but if if I were to argue this case on this, it, it would simply be this: uh, COVID delivered two of the top five scenes in Wyatt's history uh, in one episode. That's, yeah, Mike that, drop. Yep, yeah, that is Mike drop. Yeah, I had Coleman, my MVP. I, I had Coleman as my Chardine, uh a winner. I had Coleman for Chardine. Nice. And you had nice. You like had, I said, I gave I gave it to all of them in the on the. Uh, yeah, the yeah. eat crap, the crap. I gave it to every actor in there. Yeah, yep. yeah. No, yeah they, Particularly no. McNulty, Perlman, Daniels, and um, no, no, McNulty, Perlman. Daniels, Perlman. Yeah, yeah. That was the three. Definitely them. But Greg was around too. Um, but those three. Yeah, Greg was there. But those three definitely. Yeah. Greg didn't mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, she, yeah, she played it. She played the role. She played, uh, I'm she, joking. Yeah, I'm joking. Yeah, she, she, she played the role. She, no, she, 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 <laughs> yeah, of she course, of course. <laughs> no, she played. She definitely played her part. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We are two episodes in, and it's only going to get better. Only big, big, yep. episode, big episode next yep. week. A huge episode next week. I, I, like a huge episode. Uh, season three, it'll be episode three, Dead Soldiers. So that 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 is a big, big time episode that we are certainly be looking up forward to flushing out um, as we continue continue to discuss season three of The Wire. As always, thanks to Robert Sapp for joining the program, Mr. Sapp. All right. Yep. Stay healthy. Stay safe. No question about it. Later. All right. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of The Real Deal Podcast. I will try to get this episode out. Well, I'm not going to try. I'm going to get this episode out uh, later this evening, if not early Sunday morning. So you can stay tuned to that. Uh, again, also catch me tomorrow. Game three post game, Lakers, Miami. Hopefully, Alabado plays. They're talking like they're talking about talking like he's not going to play, which. Yeah, I you know I, I shouldn't complain as you know as a fan of the Lakers and not having won a championship in ten years, but I, I like to see I want to see a competitive series. But with that being said, I will see you tomorrow night. Uh, probably game is early tomorrow. Um, see you tomorrow evening. Um, I don't even know which time, but thanks for joining me. I will see you next time on the Real Deal Podcast. I'm out. Mm-hmm.